0: You know, the fun thing about going through a chapter section of the Bible is eventually you get to about every subject, and today we come to the subject of confrontation. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 1 in just a moment, but as you're turning there, let me just say this, you know, sometimes as we go through our lives, we see something in the life of a friend, in the life of a loved one. And the life of someone that we know, um, there's some sinful pattern, there's some... Uh, harmful behavior. There, there's some relationship issue, some attitude problem, and we begin to wonder. You know, should we say something? What should we do? Is it worth it? it, it, it are we? Or is it going to be helpful for us to do anything, or is it just going to cause more trouble? Uh, we begin to wonder: um, Is this going to be more harm than good? If I if I say something to this person, are they just going to in turn turn and accuse me of something? We don't know how to approach it. You know, our lives are, are full of relationships. And because of that, as we go through those relationships, eventually, this, is, this always is going to be an issue for us. What do we do when we see that someone we know is living in sin, someone we know is doing something? How do we confront them? And it is, is it even right to do so? Is it right to say something? Uh, Reagan, my mic, it's kind of ringing up here on the stage, buddy. I don't know it's monitors or something. Jesus answers that question in Matthew chapter 7. And I believe if we take Matthew 7 along with some other principles from another passage, Galatians chapter 6 and some other things, I think we can find some wise advice for how do we confront others in a Christ-like, helpful way. Matthew 7, let's start in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 6. Jesus says, "...judge not that you be not judged." For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What do you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. first point I want to make this morning, if we're going to confront someone, is that we must begin with the right motive. We have to begin with the right motive. Now before I go any farther, let me just acknowledge a thought that may be running through someone's head, something you maybe have heard before. Some people kind of have this attitude. They say, you know, if I see someone who is living in sin, should I say anything about it? There are those who would give you a resounding no to that question. They would say, you know, it's not my responsibility, it's not my duty to say anything. In fact, they would say that that as Christians we should never say anything negative, that we should never point out anyone's sin. They would say that's not the loving thing to do. You might have heard someone say to you before, judge not lest you be judged. I would say it might be the most quoted verse in the entire Bible, but I would also say it's the most misinterpreted verse in the entire Bible. Many interpret that word judging to mean that you cannot say anything bad about anyone, that you cannot point out any sin in anyone. But to do so, I believe, to take that view, I believe, takes that verse completely out of its context. You know, when it comes to interpreting Scripture, context is king, right? Context is what determines what the word means. It's like listening to a conversation. If you walked into a conversation and you only heard one sentence out of that conversation, you might not really understand what's going on or what is meant by what was said, correct? Take, for instance, if you walked up and I was in a conversation with Bart, and I, and I looked at Bart, and all you heard me say was, he killed it. You might be wondering what that word killed mean there, and what is it? Or if you walked up and you heard me say, you know, I left her on the side of the road dead. You might be thinking to yourself, who is her, and what, is, what does that mean? You might be thinking, do I need to call the cops? When in reality, what you might need to call is a tow truck. Because the her in that sentence might be a car. Context is king. Many come to Matthew 7 verse 1, and they fail to understand the context of of that statement, and they run with that phrase, judge not lest you be judged, and they take it to the extreme to mean that as a Christian, I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm not allowed to do anything because I don't want to point out anyone else's sin because I've got sin of my own is usually the attitude they'll take. But here's what Jesus doesn't mean right here. Jesus is not telling us that we cannot should not he is not saying that we should that we shouldn't call sin what it is that's not what he means he is not talking about calling sin what it is he is not banning the word sin here when scripture calls something sin we can call it sin with 100% accuracy he is also not saying here that we that we should not have discernment about identifying what is good and what is evil that, that he's not telling us that judge not does not mean that we should that we shouldn't look at people and, and so, that we should look at people and say this is what's good, this is what's bad. And the reason why we know that is because just a little bit after this, Jesus commands us to beware of false teachers, to look and to judge the to judge the person by the fruit. Well, that takes discernment, doesn't it? That takes judgment to determine is someone speaking the truth or speaking a lie. Jesus also isn't prohibiting here warning others about their sin. I mean, if do not judge meant that we were to never say anything negative, that we were never to discern or to label sin, that we were never to confront, well, then I would say that there's a lot of the Bible that we need to take out, if that's what he meant. If that's what he meant, then I would say that, like, for instance, I would say that Paul is one of the worst offenders. Because if you read through Paul's letters, for instance, you find that in just about every one of his letters, he took time to confront the church about their sin. If that's what it meant, then we might as well take Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 out. I want to go ahead and read this passage. We're going to come back to it later. But we might as well take this out if judge not, lest ye be judged, means we're not allowed to say anything negative, because Paul writes here brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, sin. Then you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That requires confrontation, doesn't it? Keep watching yourself, lest you to be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, that sounds an awful lot like judgment. That sounds an awful lot like confrontation. And so if that's not what Jesus means, what does he mean when he says, Judge not, lest you be judged? The word judge there means to condemn. It means to assume the position of God as the final judge and jury. It it, it means to write off someone as being too far gone. It it means to be quick to broadcast the failings of others. It it means to sit around and talk about someone's problems with no intention, no no desire of trying to help them, trying to lift them out of their problems. It it means to have a hypercritical spirit, to constantly be on the watch, on the lookout for little things to nitpick in other people. That's what it means here. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You know, I heard a story one time about a preacher who decided to build a fence around his backyard. And as he got out there to begin building that fence, he noticed that his neighbor pulled out his lawn chair and set it up and just sat down and started watching. And he started wondering, what is going on? Why is this guy watching me build this fence? I mean, is he thinking that my carpentry skills are just amazing? Is he wanting to, to learn the finer art of fence building? What is, what is this guy doing? And so finally, his curiosity got the best of him, and he stopped what he's doing, And he walked over to his neighbor, and he said, Neighbor, you know, how come you're sitting out in your yard? Are you just really trying to learn how to watch a fence? And the neighbor looked and replied, No, I'm just waiting to see what the preacher says when he smacks his thumb. (laughs) You know, I said a minute ago that, that we have to begin with the right motive. We have to begin with the right goal. And that goal should not be to condemn the other person. That when we come to someone in confrontation, the point is not simply to point out their sin. That's the responsibility of God and God alone, to condemn that sinner on the day of judgment. In fact, Jesus makes clear that if that's what we're going after, if that's our intention, he says that we're actually going to bring God's judgment upon ourselves. He says, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, when we come to Scripture, there's three different types of judgment that we find. There's that eternal judgment, the separation of the sheep and the goats, right? Those who will go to heaven, those who will go to hell. There is, there is that judgment here on this earth. That, in other words, what I mean, the consequence that we bring upon our lives because of the sin that we commit. That's a judgment that God, uh, that God uses. And there's also a judgment of rewards, That as we go through this life, we will either earn or not earn particular rewards as Christians that we will receive in heaven. Now, Jesus' blood covers us for that eternal judgment. Amen? And we don't have to worry about that as believers. But don't think for a second that God cannot or will not judge us in regards to our earthly life and the consequence here and in regards to heavenly rewards if we become condemning people if we go after people with a condemning spirit. And so our our motive cannot be to condemn. That is sin, Jesus is telling us here. And if that's your motive for speaking to someone about their sin, just to point it out and to beat them down, just stop. Because you're doing it wrong. Our motive has to be to restore. That is our goal. I mean, look what that says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we see someone who has wandered into sin, they have gone down the path of sin, we have a biblical responsibility to do what we can to try to restore them to a path of righteousness. That is our responsibility as believers. That's the loving thing to do. In fact, it would be unloving for us to say nothing. And when I say restore there, when when Paul is talking about restore there, I believe what he's meaning is that we are to seek their redemption in Christ. That when we go to that person, we are to go and to remind them of the gospel, to remind them of Christ's sacrifice his desire to save them from their sin, to call them out of that sinful lifestyle, to call them to repent and to, and to return to walking in faithful obedience. That's our motive. That's our goal. I, I think you could think about it like this. An easy way, easy illustration that I, I heard a long time ago of how we can understand the difference between condemning and restoring. When, my heart is, when I have a heart and attitude of condemnation, I am looking at that person and pointing at them. As if I am above them, and if I'm telling them, you are a sinner, you need to repent, you need to change. It's that pointed finger. There's no intention for me to help them because I'm simply pointing the finger. But if my heart is to restore, that pointed finger becomes an outreached hand. And what's the difference there? That an outreached hand desires to pull someone up. And so first we have to ask ourselves, when we go to someone and want to confront someone, are we doing so because we want to condemn them or because we want to restore them? You see, godly criticism is always constructive, not destructive. Uh, Our goal is not to demolish people with these well-crafted, airtight arguments. Our goal is to lift them up to the Savior who can redeem them. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love. And this is something that that I've realized in my life, is that Christ hates sin, but he loves that sinner with a greater love than that which he hates the sin. His love for the sinner is greater than his hate for the sin. And so Christ came to die for the sake of that sinner and to lift them up. And so we ought to imitate that attitude that when we see sin in someone's life, we will hate that sin, but our love for that person is greater, and we ought to want to pull them up, to reach down to them, to bear that burden and to lift them up with a motive to restore them. second point we need to make here is that we need to check our hearts. Check your heart before you say anything. You see someone, you see something going on in someone's life, and you want to say something before you open your mouth, you need to pause and to check your own heart. Look in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your, your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, I have found something to be true in my life, and it might be true in yours. I don't know. You tell me. I have a tendency to exaggerate the faults of others while at the same time minimizing or excusing my own faults. I have a tendency to look at others and to see their sin and to to want to point it out and to think, oh, how horrible of them. But then when it comes to my own sin, I want to say, you know what? It's not a big deal. It doesn't affect anyone. No one notices it. It's like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. We can become quick to point out the problems of others, that, and we do so with an attitude of condescension. We would say, I, I, would, never, I would never live that way. I, I'm above that. And sometimes if we're honest, I think we would admit that our reason for confronting other people is self-righteousness. We want to show their faults so that at the same time we can lift our own perception of ourselves, so we can lift what other people think about us. Well, Jesus gives this classic example of this guy who is trying to take a speck out of someone's eye while they have a log sticking out of their own. It's kind of ridiculous, right? We, we read it and we know this is a, um, it, it's comical even. They think this is just, who in the world would think to try to help someone take something out of their eye while they got a log sticking out of their own? Well, Jesus' goal isn't to, to make us laugh here, it, it's to help us to know where to begin, he says, take the log out of your eye before you try to remove the speck out of theirs. And his point is, is that when we approach others about their sin, the first place we need to go is to our knees in humility, asking the Lord to reveal any sin that is in our heart so that we might confess it and then go to that person. You have to remember that I is, the word I in Scripture is oftentimes a... a, a Represents our hearts, and so Jesus is saying that that person. He's saying, you know, you might see a speck in the heart of that other person, but there's a log in your heart. And there's there's a, there's something in your heart that needs to be dealt with. And so, before we go, we ought to spend our time, our, our our some time on our knees, asking ourselves, examining our hearts, confessing any sin that the Spirit of God reveals to us. That we ought to ask ourselves is what I'm wanting to address here is that clearly sin. Or is it just my opinion? We need to ask ourselves, Is am my motives pure? Am I wanting to go to this person because I genuinely care for them and I love them? Or is there something I'm going to gain from this? <clears throat> is there some advantage I'm going to get out of this? Is it going to make me look better because I go to them? We need to ask ourselves if we truly understand the circumstances. Now, circumstances don't excuse sin, but it sometimes will explain why people fall into sin. And it will help us to understand how we can help them better. And I'd also add that that what Christ means here is that we must go with zero arrogance, with no arrogance whatsoever. We must remember that we, too, might fall into sin. That like Paul said, said, he said, you know, don't get too arrogant about yourself lest you, too, be tempted. that that we too can be susceptible to it. We cannot go to that person as if if we are perfect, but instead we go to them as a sinner who has been saved by grace, and we want them to experience that same grace again and to be lifted up to Christ. And then I would add this too, the third point we need to make is that when we go to that person, we need to see them with the right perspective. We need to see them in the right light, in the right relationship. Notice what Jesus calls this person. Look back in verse 4. Notice what the word he uses to refer to this, this person that you're wanting to confront. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He uses the word brother. That word there can make a big difference, right? Right? You know, sometimes we see sin and and we see it in strangers. We see it on TV or whatnot, and we can be quick to go on the attack when it's a stranger, right? But when we think of that person as a brother, it changes everything. When we approach that person as a brother, it's usually a different method we use. And so our approach must be defined by the love that we would share with a brother, not the hatred that we would have toward a brother. Stranger. Now you might say, well, Jeff, I don't know this person. I don't know him that well, or it's just a coworker and I see something going on. I don't feel like they're my brother. I don't see this person as, as my brother, so you're telling me that I have to treat him that way? Well, yes. But I would also give you these two words of advice that when you go to anyone, the place to start is with the gospel. That when we go to anyone to confront them, we need to go to them with the gospel. Because, you know, we can fix a behavior problem, but fixing a behavior problem doesn't fix the larger problem in that person's life, and that is a separation from their Savior. That when we go to them, we need to go with the gospel. But second, I would add this. Look look on the screen real quick at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, "...in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord is holy." Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so Paul, Ephesians 4.15, says to speak the truth in love. And now Peter tells us here that when we go to people to go to them with gentleness and respect... In other words, I think what, when we put all that together, what it means is that being biblically correct doesn't give us permission to approach them in a sinful way. Just because we're right... Doesn't mean we can do wrong to do right. It doesn't mean that we can be rude, to be a jerk, to say what we want. But instead, we have to approach them in a loving, caring way, the way Christ would. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be weak in our approach. It doesn't mean that we have to be soft, and that we have to, um, you know. Now, let me just say, you know, that's not what it's saying. You know, every every person that we go to, every relationship we have, might require a little different approach. You might go to one person, and they might need literally a logical, well-thought-out argument to convince them to do something different, right? You might go to another person, and it might be more emotional. You might go to another person, and it might be more like a kick in the backside, right? (laughs) You know, every person is going to need a little different kind of love, but we have to go in love, even if it's a tough love with a heart, with a desire to see them restored to the Savior. But lastly, I would add this, that we have to go at the right time. There's something I noticed in verse 5. Jesus says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You might think, well, you know, I can't say anything to this person. I can't judge this person. I can't help them because, you know, I've got sin in my own heart. I was talking to a guy... um, I guess it was about a week ago. I was at a funeral, and I got in a conversation with a guy, and uh, he, I asked him where he went to church, and he told me he went to church. Um, he used to go to church at this little church, and he said, you know, I kind of quit going there because I have a little different views than they did. And I said, oh, I just, I just kind of said, hmm, you know, and, and then he continued on. He said, you know, he said, I just, I don't feel like it's my place to judge anyone. I don't feel like it's my place to ever say anyone, anything to anyone um, you know, because I've got my own problems and, uh, and all I could think was, I'm about to preach on that. Why don't you come to Fisherville next Sunday? <laughs> you know? Um, but he, he had this idea that his humility meant that he wasn't allowed to say anything. You know, our humility doesn't equal silence. Uh, it doesn't result in inaction. Instead, it means that we act at the right time. Jesus says here, first, check your heart, take care of the log, and then... Go to your brother. He doesn't say, check your heart and then quit. No, you're disqualified. He says, no, tend to your heart, your spiritual heart. Ask the Lord, am am I clear here? Do I understand this right? Have I confessed the sin that you've revealed to me? And then go to your brother. If the Lord has laid it on your heart and you've gone through that process and you've checked your heart, I think that you're okay. You are in the right time to go to your brother. But there's something else we've got to add here. That we also have to know when to walk away. We have to know when it's best to step away from the situation. And that's a difficult place. Look at verse 6. This one took, a little, took me a little time to figure out. Jesus said, Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now the word pearls there, I think goes right back to the word holy. I think it's referring to God's truth. Uh, He's saying don't present to dogs and pigs the truth of God. But when I got to thinking about what dogs and pigs were, uh, you know, he's not talking about your domesticated fluffy that, you know, you you pet every night and you uh, have in your house. He's not talking about Uh, your pot-bellied pig that's really a pet. He's talking about wild dogs and wild pigs. And, And what Jesus is referring to here is dogs and pigs are those who are not ready to receive God's truth, who they are so far set in their sin that they are not ready and willing to receive it. I mean, imagine that you went to a wild dog and you tossed them something that looked like food, but in reality it wasn't and they chewed on it for a bit, and they spit it out, what is that dog going to do? going to turn and attack you. The same thing Jesus is making, the same point about pigs. If you tossed pearls to pigs, they might bite on them thinking they're food. They're going to spit them out, and they're going to come charging at you. And Jesus's point is that there's a time to confront someone, but there's also a time to walk away. There, there's a time and a season when we might be successful at winning someone over, and helping them to see the truth. But there comes a point, a time, when even when we have the right motive and even when we have the right heart, that we might actually drive them farther away. You know, I was, I was talking with someone last week that uh, after service, a guy came up to me after service and said, you know, I'm going through this thing with my, it was his stepson, and he said, uh, he said, you know, I've just had to come to the point of realizing that anything I say, he's turning and using against me. And no matter what truth I share with him, it's just he's coming back at me. And even if he agreed with me, the guy said, you know, he said, even if inside his head he agreed with me, he's not going to let me see it. He's not going to show it. He's going to just because I'm the one that said it, he's going to reject it. And I thought about that as I was studying this verse, that sometimes people get to the point where they dig their heels in so deep that even if we share the truth with them, that all they're going to do is reject it just because of who it's coming from, that they're going to look and say, I don't want that at all. And Jesus is saying there comes a point when we simply have to step away, when we have to say, you know what, I, I, this is not, it's not helpful. Now, that doesn't mean we abandon that person. By all means, we ought to continue praying for them. We ought to continue seeking God's wisdom and how to handle it. We ought to continue asking the Lord that he, maybe he would use someone else to help that person to see the truth. But sometimes, according to Christ here, our words can do more harm than good. And that's a heartbreaking place to be. That's a difficult place to be in. When we have someone that we love and we want them to see the truth and they refuse to see it, it's hard to do that. It's hard to be there. But I would add this, that we ought never forget that God could take the seeds that we planted in their heart days, weeks, years before, and days, weeks, years down the road could allow those seeds to take root and bring about change in that person's life. And so though we might lose hope that that person might change, we ought never give up hope that God could in fact change them in his time and in his way. Would you pray with me? Father God, I know this is a difficult subject for us to think about because for most of us, we don't like confrontation. We don't like having to say things like this because they're difficult, because there's arguments and drama, and and sometimes we just want to look away. Or sometimes our love for that person will make us not want to confront because we just think it's unloving. But your word tells us here that We do have a responsibility to one another to restore. God, I'm praying that you would just give us wisdom in whatever relationships we have and the situations we have, that you would help us to understand the right thing to do, the wise thing to do, when to speak, and also when to step away and when to allow time for those words to take root, for that truth to take root in that person's life. God, we just pray for wisdom. We pray that in in those situations where we have to confront that we would do so biblically, that we would do so in love, that we would treat that individual like our brother, not like an enemy, but like our brother or sister, like one that we love dearly, that we want to see redeemed, restored, and walking faithfully as you. Father God, I know there might be some individuals on the hearts and minds of these people here, and I just pray that you would give them peace. Peace, that reminder that that you can change even the hardest of hearts. And you can mend even the worst of broken fences and the worst of broken relationships. You can do miracles that we can't imagine. And it's in Christ's name we do pray these things. Amen. Just stand up, we sing.